I first met Shane when he was in the third grade. My first impression was that he was troubled. He had gotten to a lot of altercations with his teachers, with classmates, with the principal, been suspended multiple times. When I saw him, I knew that it would be a good opportunity to um, kind of serve him and his family. Shane is 15 years old. I've been sharing the gospel with him for three years. And for whatever reason, God is, has not chosen to give him eyes to see or ears to hear. When I talk about the love of God, when I talk about justice, um, when I talk about God's holiness, he has no context of love. He has no context of justice. He has no context of what is right and what is wrong. Um, it's been hard for me just to just to watch Shane in his sinfulness really destroy his entire, his, destroy his future. I plead with the Lord every single night. I know that God can save him whenever he wants to. And if he doesn't, I'm not gonna say that God was bad because um, he's great and he's good and he's all wise. I praise God for his justice and everything that the Lord does is right. Um, but I still want Shane to be saved. The message of the gospel is, is, is foolish to a dying world. I definitely know I can't add anything to it that could um, cause anything um, to change within Shane. Um, I just want to—I just want my heart to really um, be burdened when I speak to him. Love people. Uh, don't love evangelism because evangelism is a means by which we glorify God and love people. If we only love the act of sharing the gospel or the act of preaching, we're missing the point. Our hearts need to burn, see people saved and see their lives bring um, the one true God the glory that he deserves. My name is Jeremy and I'm unashamed of the gospel. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing all right? Wow, you guys came out today for the snow. Yeah. Y'all do me a favor, just get some more chairs just in case, you know, um, you know. So. <laughs> I want to welcome everybody to Hope Haven Church. <laughs> I want to welcome you guys to Hope Haven Church. Um, excited to be here today. Anybody excited to be here? All right, man. All right, y'all. So we're in our second part of the series of Real, which is our mission statement. Last week, we talked about what? Rick, you better go ahead, Lana. Come you get a now or later. 
And how do we reach? We reach. We reach. And we reach. All right. All right. Look at y'all. All right. And today we're going to talk about um, the E, which stands for evangelize. All right. So uh, one of our missions here at Hope Haven Church is to evangelize. And to evangelize is simply defined as this, to spread the gospel by public preaching or by personal witness. All right. By public preaching or by personal witness. And in most cases, it will probably be done with most of us through personal witness. How many of you have witnessed Christ's work in your life? All right. Two people. All right, three, four. All right. How many of you guys have witnessed him work in your life? All right. So if you've witnessed him work in your life, you should be able to share your story. All right. And I think one of the problems that we have, we're going to get to that in the text in a couple minutes, is we spend so much time worrying about whether or not a person will accept the message rather than just giving the message. And because we're so concerned about them accepting the message, we don't give the message, if you know what I'm saying. So I'll give you an example. How many of you remember in the book of Luke, Jesus had 70 disciples that he sent out? Y'all remember that? And he sent them out how? By twos. And then he says, if you give them the gospel and they don't accept it, do what? Brush the dust off your feet and what? Keep on moving, which is telling us that even Jesus is telling us that everybody's not going to accept the gospel. But it is our responsibility as Christians to share the gospel. So we're going to go to the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter. We're going to start at the third, no, yeah, 35th verse. Uh, if you have your Bible, pull out your Bible. If you have your phone, go to your phone. If you have your tablet, go to your tablet. And I'm not even going to say nothing about Android users today. I think the word has convicted them enough for the last couple weeks. All right. <laughs> so just meet us here at uh, Matthew uh 9 and 35, we're going to go through the 38th verse, and then we're going to go from there. You guys with me? You guys there? All right, somebody said no. All right. All right, share with your neighbor right there. All right, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Today we're going to talk about evangelism. Not going to be long today, okay? Evangelism. 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 So, the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, and at the 35th verse, uh, it says here, there we go, that Jesus went through where? Uh, what, where do you go? All. Let's work with the word all. What does that mean? Every part of town, every part of the village, which tells us what? That Jesus doesn't discriminate tells us that Jesus did not decide what doors he was going to knock on, what doors he was not going to knock on. Did not say, I'm going to go to this house because I think they'll accept it, and I'll go to this house because I know they're not going to accept it. What it tells us is that Jesus, whenever an opportunity presented himself, he went to share 
the message. You with me? He went to share the message regardless of who the person was, where the person was, whether or not they wanted to hear the message, whether or not they accepted the message. That wasn't his job. His job was to proclaim the message. I had an, a situation this week. Had a situation this week. Um, I'm, I'm somewhere. Um, I'm out. And um, I run across this drunk guy. And I, I just seem to be the guy that always just draws those kind of people. Oh, all right, Brother Brian, know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know, you just be minding your business. And it's like they just see you out of the whole crowd. And I'm like, here we go. And he is like belligerent. He got kicked out of a bar. And he's walking. He's like, they kicked me out the bar. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I judged him. <clears throat> I judged him immediately. Um, because he was a Caucasian male. He had a bald head. And he had all black on. And immediately I go in my mind. And I start judging who this guy was based off of his appearance. You know, just with all of the climate of everything going on and different groups and things of that sort, I said, oh man, you know, I, 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 he's drunk, he can say something crazy, and I ain't been in a fight in a long time, but uh, this, this might be the night. And um, I ain't been in a fight, I ain't been in a scuffle in about 15 years. Last time I was in a scuffle was in a home country buffet in Defford. Yeah, somebody started swinging at me. And all I told myself in my mind is I cannot lose. So I caught both fists and I don't know how I did it. I came behind the dude and I flipped him and we was in jello. And we both just landed in jello and I'm on top of him and I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then I just grabbed him and I went like that. I said, somebody better get him. Like I act like I had it all under control. And the manager came out and was like, get out. I was like, yeah. So, so I was like, that was my last like real scuffle. And I won. So I'm like, all right, are we going to have to have one of these today? I'm like, so I'm sizing the dude up. You know, he about 5'9", bald head. I'm like, all right, you know, I think I can take him down if this comes to it. And he just stares at me. And I stare back at him. And he says, are you married? I said, yeah. You know, you got to talk back tough because you don't know where this is going. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm married. Four kids in the game. <laughs> like, you know, you got to look back at him. So I'm, I, I start talking tough back. Like, yeah, I'm married. Yeah, yeah. Happily married, too. Wife pretty on my screen. Look, right here, son. It's like, no, nah, I ain't say all that. But... <laughs> <laughs> he, he's looking at me and he, and he starts crying and he says I lost my spouse two years ago now I feel terrible because just five seconds ago I was wondering how I was going to knock him out and now I'm looking at the guy and I'm like this dude is upset because he lost his spouse so now I feel terrible and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry that you lost your spouse I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to him. I'm like, I, I can't imagine my life without my wife. And he says something here. He, he looks at me and he says, 
my spouse was a man. I'm gay. And he starts telling me, in his mind, telling me all these derogatory terms that people called him. And I stopped him. And I said, that's not what I see. I said, what I see is a child of God. And the conversation kind of ended there because he walked away. But as he walked away, I began to pray. And I'm driving home. And a conviction hit me. One, because I didn't take the time, regardless of whether or not he was drunk, to share the gospel. And the other part of the conviction that I had was how would I have handled that 10 years ago? Would I have spent more time trying to deliver or do all of the so-called things to try to make things right according to what theologically I believe? Or would I have focused more on the soul? And what I found out was that I failed this text because my evangelism was discriminative. And many of our evangelistic tools are discriminative because we choose who we're going to minister to. Nowhere in this text does Jesus discuss sexuality. Nowhere in this text does Jesus discuss race. Nowhere in this text does Jesus discuss economic class. All it says is that he preached, teached, and healed all people. And if Jesus did not or was not concerned with that, why do we put that ahead of giving somebody the gospel? So now we see here that Jesus goes to all of the towns, all of the villages. Now watch this. The Bible says he went. I'm sorry to get so animated, but there's a conviction in my soul. And I don't want to go too deep with this, but Dr. Martin Luther King said something so powerful. He says the most racially divided hour in America is on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And if that's the case, are we only evangelizing to what we feel comfortable evangelizing to? Or are we opening the door to have conversation with someone that may not have the same views that we have? Are y'all with me today? Y'all with me? Are, are, are we evangelizing because I know them? They a sister, they a brother. They, 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 I, I, I know they mama. I know they know a little bit about church, so it's a little easier to have the discussion. Or are we, whenever an opportunity presents itself, have a conversation with anyone that we have an opportunity to share the gospel with? So the Bible says he went. Look at your neighbor and say, went. He, watch this, Jesus went to them. He did not wait for them to come to him. Wish y'all could catch this. He did not wait for them to find him. Jesus went and found them. Are y'all with me? So what does that tell us about evangelism? We can't just wait for them to walk in these doors to become evangelists. 
I love when it's quiet like this. We can't just say, come to my church. Because by Jesus going to them, he gives them no excuses. When you talk to somebody on Monday and say, come to my church on Sunday, but you don't engage about Christ right then and there, you give them enough time to come up with an excuse not to come next Sunday. All of us have invited somebody during the last four months. How many of you have? And can I help you? For the most part, about 70% of them never came. Right? I'm, I'm a witness. I invited everybody. Everybody I know. Oh, come to Hope Haven. And ain't too many folks I can say came that I invited. So I look kind of crazy. Because I am telling them to come to them, but I'm not bringing the gospel to them. And rather than me waiting for a Sunday morning for the preacher to give them the gospel, let me engage right away because I don't know if they'll make it to Sunday. Jesus doesn't give them an opportunity to have an excuse. He meets them right where they were. And if we are going to transform, change, and grow this ministry, we can't wait for them to walk in the doors. We have to start engaging Monday through Saturday. We can't just say, come to my church. Why? Why come to your church? There's a hundred other churches. Most of us have driven probably past at least 10 churches on the way here. And why does it matter if they come to your church? Why not just give them the gospel? I know too many folks ain't going to be too excited about that. Most preachers don't want to hear that because they want their church full. But what if I share the gospel with you, you give your life to God and you go somewhere else? So Jesus, you with me, went to them and did not wait for them to come to him. Are y'all with me? So now, who do you think is with Jesus at this point? Who's walking with Jesus at this point? His 12 disciples. And Jesus is now showing them by an example how to evangelize, which now gives them no excuse on how to evangelize. So Jesus comes in the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter, and he says, go where? Into all of the nations preaching the gospel and baptizing in the name of the Lord. Father, Son, some of y'all are like, I'm apostolic, I can't say that. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He's telling the people to go. And one of the issues that we have in the church is we're waiting for them to come, but we're not going. If I could give evangelism one word, it would be go. And if I was to give you guys instruction last week, it was reach. This week, it's go. Don't allow another opportunity to pass with somebody this week and just tell them to come to your church. Engage with them. And I don't mean get belligerent and crazy and, you know, send them to hell. I had an opportunity that day to talk to somebody about their soul. And I didn't have the full opportunity, but you know what, what, what blessed me was that if I was the last voice he heard, because I don't know where the man went that night, at least the last voice he heard was that he was a child of God. 
And it convicted me even more because he was getting drunk for a reason. He was obviously trying to drink away some pain of a loss two years ago. And they kicked him out of a bar. But we had nowhere to accept him. And if we are going to, and I'm not just talking about Hope Haven, I'm talking about the body of Christ. If we're really going to evangelize, and we'll talk about this next week, we're going to have to accept the people that have been kicked out of other circles. Because if we get to the point to where we allow our theological, we could, we could discuss that later. But in the meantime, what's more important right now is your soul. Right now is your soul. And what if God sends you to talk to someone that you may not theologically agree with, but that's what God sent you to do? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Ananias did not like Paul. Ananias did not want to witness to Paul. Paul was a Jew. Ananias was a Christian. But what did God say? Go. And too many times, you don't even realize it. We're all being disobedient. Because God has all told everybody in this room at one time or another to go. And you did it. All right, maybe I'm the only one. I have had numerous opportunities to have conversations with people and I made up in my mind that they didn't fit the mold of who I was supposed to evangelize to and I missed a moment and there has to be accountability when God calls us to do things and you don't need the title evangelist in front of your name no shade you don't need the title pastor in front of your name you all are evangelists. You all should be evangelizing. You all should be sharing the gospel. You know, the term evangelist in the church means nothing more but itinerant. It just means you got a couple speaking gigs. That's what that really means. You're an itinerant speaker. In most cases, I'm not going to call all evangelists that, but a lot of times when we think of the term evangelist, it means they travel from church to church. But the question that we have to ask is, what is the fruit of you traveling? Are you collecting a paycheck or are you just preaching? Are souls really being saved because the evangelist is supposed to draw them and the pastor is supposed to nurture them? Uh-huh. So if you're not drawing, are you really doing the full work of an evangelist? I like talking to y'all today. This reminds me of our Thursday night Bible studies, even though it's so packed in here. <clears throat> I'm only looking at y'all. So the Bible says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, watch this, doing what? Teaching, proclaiming, and healing. I want you to underline those three words. Teaching, proclaiming, healing. Let's do it one more time. Teaching, proclaiming, healing. All right? He's Teaching in their, their synagogues. <laughs> what does that tell us again? He's going to who? Them. He goes to their church. He doesn't wait for them to come to his. And the Bible says he's what? In their synagogues? Teaching. What does teaching mean? <laughs> I 
I'm gonna tell y'all something. I have used Webster's Dictionary more times than I ever have in the last 365 days because I be I be just saying words because I just heard everybody else say them. You have the proclivity, and I wish some. I'll be praying nobody ever says what does that mean. I would be so stuck. Um, teaching means that he's dealing with the intellect. He's dealing with the mind. Y'all with me? Proclaiming the good news or preaching the good news of the kingdom means he's dealing with the spirit. And healing every disease and sickness means he's dealing with the body. So what does that tell you about his preaching, his teaching, and his healing or his ministry? His ministry was for the whole man. <laughs> Jesus did not just preach, but he taught and he healed, which tells us that the gospel is to make you whole. So he did not just come into their city, but he came into their city to all people, making all people that received it whole. You with me? So he preached to the mind. He preached to the soul or the spirit. And he preached to the body. And during our mission here at Hope Haven is for us to reach all three areas. Yeah, we want to work our intellect in here. We want to get theological and we want to get deep and we'll do that some weeks. And then there's some weeks <clears throat> that we have to deal with the issues of the heart. And then there's some weeks we have to deal with the issues of the body. Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to go there. But a lot of healing physically can be fixed ourselves. A lot of healing can be fixed ourselves. Selves. So when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why, Jesus? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word harassed there means they had anxiety. They were full of anxiety. They had no understanding of what direction they had in their life. And Jesus goes into their city. Watch this. He goes to all the towns and then all these people come out and it shows him all the opportunity that these people that are following him, they're following him have. But because they see with blinders, they don't even see a harvest is standing right there in the middle of them. Many a times we're only looking at our family and we say, well, 90 percent of my family say, but you ain't looking at friends. You're not looking at coworkers. You're not looking at people that you don't know. Because we some, sometimes put blinders over our eyes over who we're supposed to reach. So Jesus has compassion on them. Watch this, because they have anxiety. They are helpless and they are like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So he has compassion on them. I know I talk slow, but I'm going to bring it up in a minute. Jesus looks at them because they are, have a, they are like a sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on them because he sees that they have no shepherd. Why are you so upset over having no shepherd, Jesus? Well, let's go to the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my I shall not 
he maketh me to and he beside y'all better go ahead over here he uh, keep going now uh-huh for his namesake uh-huh yes you better you better preach I will fear why uh-huh uh-huh table where where in the presence of what? Well, and this what happens? What? Yes. What shall we do? What? And I will. Y'all better preach up. Y'all better give yourselves a round of applause right there. So what? Watch this. So what he sees is he sees a congregation of people that can't quote the twenty-third psalm. They don't have a shepherd, so they want. They can't lie down in green pastures. They have no still waters. Their soul isn't restored. Their paths are all broken up. All, uh, there's, there's no rod and no staff that will protect them because a sheep without a shepherd is exposed to wolves. And what Jesus sees is a bunch of wolves that are taking advantage of these people because they have no shepherd. Mm. And one of the things about us having a shepherd is that he gives us provision. He gives us rest. He directs our paths. He takes away our anxiety. He gives us protection. And the only way that you can get all of that and the only way that the Lord can be your shepherd is if somebody evangelizes to you and takes you to the shepherd. And we have too many folks that can't quote the 23rd Psalm because they don't have a shepherd and they've never been introduced to the shepherd. And one of our assignments on this week and one of our assignments on this year is to point the people that are, have anxiety, that have issues, that have fear, that have no protection, that are under demonic attacks. It's not for you to try to fix them because that's not your job. My job is not to heal anybody. And if I get caught up in believing that I have some kind of magical powers, it gets me into a place to where I don't need God anymore. God should get the glory in everything. If Kara has no legs and I lay hands and legs grow, thank God for the power of God through me that gave her some new legs. You better dance, Kara. <laughs> so we, we have to point people to what? The shepherd. And if we don't point them to the shepherd, they are like what? Sheep without a shepherd and they're under attack or they're exposed to attack. Can I help you? There should be no way in the world that people can come to you constantly telling you about anxiety, fear, sickness and disease and you don't share the gospel. Because what they're doing is they're nicely telling you, I don't have a shepherd. Y'all with me? This is, this is one of the easiest tools to evangelize. Lord, how you doing? How you doing, Zipporah? Oh, my money funny and my change is strange. You know Jesus loves you, right? Bam. Right? Bam. It's that easy. How you doing, Darnell? Oh, Darnell, you know God cares for you, right? Engaging. Engaging right there. 
You know God is able to make a way. You ain't got to get all deep. None of that. You know, you know God really can provide. You know, I, I, I know a God that can provide for you. That, that's, that's easy engagement right there without being spooky, deep, or scary. Carol, how, how, how's the canteen? Oh, we ran out of lamb chop. Carol, you know that he is the lamb. Let me stop. <laughs> but engagement a lot of times comes when people come to you with a whole lot of complaints and anxiety. The question is, are you spilling your anxiety back to them? So if I come to you and you're telling me how your money's funny and your change is strange and I come up to you, I, sure, mine's too, girl. I'm not helping you. But I can encourage you by saying, you know what? I'm going through some stuff, too. Let's touch and agree. Let's pray together this week. Let's, 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 let's read the 23rd Psalm together this week and let's just shoot each other text messages during the course of the week. You guys seen that video that we watched before I got up? What he, how long did he say he was evangelizing to that, that young fellow that he was trying to minister to? Three years, which tells us that evangelizing is not a one-step thing that happens on the corner on Broad Street. There has to be some type of discipleship, meaning that after I give you the gospel, I have to show you the gospel. Are y'all with me today? After, after we have a conversation, the conversation has to continue. How are you a week later? How are you a year later? How are you two years later? How are you three years later? Or else, I'm just giving you information. I'm not really working on discipleship. Evangelism is not a one-stop pony. It's a thing that has to go on for a while. If I have been dealing with an issue for 30 years, and you have one conversation with me, and we walk away and we never speak again, you don't think I'm still going to battle those issues? I need you to follow up with me. During the course of the week, there's a couple people that text me every single week. And I just engage and I'm not being deep. One in particular listens to the podcast. He's going he to listen to this tonight. He's going to say, I know you was talking about me. But that's a way of engagement. Another person told me to tell Darnell support they're doing a good job because I'll be listening. I don't come to your church, but I listen. But it's engagement. And we have to learn how to engage. And we cannot deflect our issues on a person that comes to us with issues. You're not showing Christ. I'm not saying we can't go through. But I can't tell you how much joy I have in Jesus. And I'm always looking depressed. I can't tell you how he's a way maker, and I'm telling you, I don't know how he's going to make a way. No, there has to be some type of hope in us that they can see. And they, say, they can say, you know what? Zipporah always has a good attitude about what she's going through. <laughs> I guess, let me, Yasmin always got a good attitude. <laughs> Yasmin, let me move on. <laughs> Yasmin always handles her situation very well. Let me, let me, let me, let me see how she handles this process. And when they begin to watch you develop and they begin to watch you grow, sometimes you don't have to talk. Sometimes your life can be your greatest testimony. So here we go. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, what? He said to his disciples, the 
Hold on, let's stop there. The what? What is a harvest? Huh? Reaping, right? It's when you, you pick up your crop. It's the season to, to pick up your crops. So what does that tell you about the crops? It's a lot, but what does it tell us about their development? They're ready. They're right. All they're waiting for is what? Us. So what does that tell you about us with evangelism? The people are already ready. They're just waiting to hear you give the gospel. See, a lot of times we have anxiety, but God's not sending you to something that's premature. He's sending you to somebody that's already ready. They just need to hear the message. Are y'all with me? The corn already has its ears. The fruit has already been produced. God is just waiting for you to get up and get what's already waiting for you just to give the message to. Can I help you? The harvest symbolizes the elect of God who just hasn't heard the gospel yet. They've already been preordained to be saved. They've already been designed in his plan and in the pleasure of his will to have eternal life. They just need to hear the message so that they can get on in their destiny. And what he's waiting for is for us not to transform nobody, not to change anybody, because he has already done the work. He's waiting for us to give them the message because they're already ripe. All he's waiting for you to do is open your mouth. So the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Can I go a step further? Y'all want to go a step further? Where did he go? 35th verse, where did he go? I know y'all memory ain't that bad. Where did he go in the 35th verse? He went everywhere, to all the towns and villages. Where? And what towns and villages of what town, of what city, what state, what country? Of Israel, of Galilee. And who were those people? His own. Which meant that they already had an understanding of the gospel. They already knew that a Messiah was to come. All they needed to hear was the message or revelation of the Messiah. Are y'all with? I, I know I'm, I'm kind of boring y'all today, but at the end of the month, next month, we'll get excited with, with relationships. Um, these people were ripe. Because they have been sitting here for hundreds and thousands of years since the fall of Adam for God's manifestation of his word in Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman's heel shall crush the seed of the serpent. They've been waiting on this since Genesis. So they're ripe. The harvest is ripe. All they need is a message that the Messiah is here. Can I go a step further? Most of the folks that God wants you to witness to are ripe. They know about church. They know a little bit about Jesus if they never step foot in a the church. They have the overall part of the story. They know there was a man from God, of God, or was God, however they translate it, that died on the cross and rose three days, three, three days later. But they need the revelation from you to show that he's real. They have the information. They just don't have the revelation. 
And what we have to do now is we have to reveal Christ to those that are waiting to hear the message. So the harvest is full. These are Jews that have been waiting for the Messiah. Now we're in a Gentile age, but the harvest is still plenty. Not I said few, not plenty. It's still plenty. It's plenty of your friends that used to go to church. It's plenty of your friends that left the church. It's plenty of your friends that seen the passion of the Christ in 2004. It's plenty of folks that have heard and seen different parts of the message and have seen televangelists on TV. But now it is our time to show revelation that Jesus is Lord. I wish y'all could get excited with me. It is time for us to reveal that he is real. We are making it much more difficult than it is. We're making the E much more difficult than it really is. These people are just waiting. They have anxiety. They're thinking about killing themselves. They're drinking themselves to death. They're taking pills every day. They're trying to cope. And they're coming to us bleeding their issues. And we're doing nothing more but bleeding our issues back. We have to stop. If I have an issue, I need to talk to another Christian that can uplift me. But I'm not going to spill my issues on a person that doesn't know Jesus because I've given them the wrong message. This year, my goal, and I, I know what it, I know what it is that God fills this place with souls that just need revelation. But we can't wait for Sunday. We can't wait for Sunday, y'all. And we can't just keep telling people to come to church on Sunday. We can't just keep rehashing, retweeting, and sharing. No. We got to now go have conversations. And the next time somebody comes to you at work and starts spilling their beans, you have to tell them about the love and the power of God that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worked with us. And it begins to start an engagement. And then you follow up the day after. How are you feeling now? I'm still a little bit down, but he's able. Do you mind if I give you a scripture? How are you feeling today? I'm getting a little better. Check this scripture out right here. This helped me go through it. Matter of fact, I'm going through something similar, but you know what? I have hope because I'm reading this. Saturday night, how you feeling? I'm doing all right. I want you to do something. You feeling good? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, thank you for all the scriptures. Why don't you meet me in church on Sunday? Now let's engage the church. But before we even get to church, let's engage in conversation first. Because sometimes we're inviting folks that we ain't even speak to. And people don't want to feel like they're part of a numbers game. You know, a lot of churches are about numbers in a clicker. They walk around, click you on every aisle. We're not a numbers game. We're really about transformation and life-changing experiences when they walk in these doors. No, we're not going to shout every Sunday. No, we're not going to have, you know, as some folks call high praise every single Sunday. Sometimes we're going to have teaching. 
sometimes Pastor Joel get excited. He going to preach. And sometimes Pastor Joel's going to lay hands and God's going to heal. I don't want y'all to think for a minute I forgot about the gifts of the spirit. I still believe in the gifts. But in this season right now for Hope Haven, God has me in a place of teaching. Because when we get so uh, caught up in the gifts, we get caught up in a person. And then the person can get caught up in manipulation. So I want to point you guys to Christ every Sunday through the book. And then we'll work on demonstration. Is that all right? Did this help you all today? Praise God. I'm going to have a word of prayer with you guys. Give you three points and then we'll have a word of prayer. Number one. Jesus doesn't discriminate. So if Jesus doesn't discriminate, what does that say about us? We can't. We can't discriminate. Which means that God's going <laughs> to, I feel like God's going to do that this week. God's going to have y'all engage with somebody that you just did not expect. <laughs> Royce laughing. Somebody's going to walk up to Royce that he does not expect and he's going to have to talk about Jesus and you can't discriminate. Number two. The gospel is to make you, what did he do? He teached where? In their synagogues. He proclaimed the gospel and he healed all manners of sickness and diseases. So the gospel is to make you whole. Number three, the harvest is ripe looking for those to just speak the word. They're already there. They just need us to speak life. And once we do that, I, I, I don't know why I'm here. I, I really feel this is, you guys are going to be shocked this year when you start engaging and you see folks walking through those doors from just engagement because they're already ripe. They're looking for church homes. They're looking for places to worship. They're looking for places to be welcomed. They're looking for places to be loved. But no one engages with them. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this word on today, God. And I thank you, God, for allowing us to make the mission clear for Hope Haven, that our assignment is to reach up to you, reach out to our families and our local community, and to reach down to those that may have fallen. But God, we thank you, Lord, for as we reach, we're also going to evangelize and share the good message that you died, but you have risen so that we can have eternal life. God, touch each and every single one of us, God. Touch us, God, this week, God, as we encounter new souls and people that are ripe to hear the gospel, God. Anoint our lips, anoint our hearts, anoint our voices. Give us the wisdom. Give us the words. Give us the instruction on what to say to them so that they may accept you as their savior and that you draw them unto you. Touch each and every single person in this room, name by name, one by one. God, you know what each and every single one of our requests are. God, we pray, God, for provision on this year. We pray, God, that you open up many doors, many new opportunities. And we pray, God, that you continue to bless us so that we can be a blessing. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go, the number two, 
hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.